0: West Bulls. Good morning. How you doing? Good. My name is Nathan Harrison. I'm a pastor here at the church. Thomas is actually out of town this week, so you, you get me for two weeks, all right? So um, thank you. Thank you, all of you, that I gave money to, to clap this morning. I appreciate that. All right. Um, well, I, I want to tell you a story this morning. About two years ago, We found ourselves in Hawaii, my sister was getting married in Hawaii, and we had the opportunity to stay on a house, uh, or in a house on the beach. And so the first morning we were there, I I woke up, and I looked out, and I see the ocean, and I saw the beach, and then next door, in the backyard of the house next door, something caught my eye. And I thought, well, that's funny. Most Most people have dogs running around their backyard, but these people had a tortoise, a tortoise about this big just slowly making its way across the yard. And every single day of the trip, I woke up and I saw this tortoise going across the back yard next door. Well, we got down to the last day of the trip and our, our kids really wanted to meet this tortoise, but I hadn't seen the owner yet to be able to go ask, hey, can we meet the tortoise? And the last day of the trip, I see the, the owner of this house out there, and so we went over and introduced ourselves, um, and this guy's name was Al, and he introduced us to Henry, the tortoise, and the kids were playing with Henry, and they got to feed him, and they said, well, do you have any other pets? And he said, well, yeah, we've actually got, we've got a pond inside the house, and I thought, Hawaii, of course you have a pond inside your house. <laughs> and we went inside, and we're looking at the fish, and something on the wall caught my eye, and I looked over, and here's... Al, in this picture, the guy standing right in front of me, he's in this picture with his arm around Ronald Reagan. I was like, well, that's crazy. And there's a note scribbled in the corner, and it says, Al, thank you for all you've done. Best wishes, Ronnie. And I was like, well, you're on a first-name, nickname basis with Ronald Reagan. Okay. And I zeroed in on that picture, and then a picture next to it caught my eye. And here's Al with his arm around Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter. Same story, there's a note scribbled in the corner. I look above it, oh, there's Al with George W. Bush and, and Laura with a note in the corner. And then there's one with him with George H. Bush and Barbara. And there's one with him in the Clintons, one with him in the Obamas. There's one with him in the Pope. And I'm like, who is this guy? So I turned to Al and I said, look, I do not mean to insult you, but Al... Are we supposed to know who you are? Because I don't recognize you. Well, Al was able to to disclose, because he is retired, he was a secret service agent, security detail, for the last six presidents of the United States of America. And I thought, man, if I had known that on day one, I might have skipped my sister's wedding down there to go listen to this guy. Now, I tell you that story to ask you a question. Have you ever had something right in front of your face, but been total, totally unable to see it? I mean, we do this with our keys, right? You walk around the house, you've got your keys in your hand, and you're like, where are my keys? Where are my keys? Where are my keys? Or you're on the phone with somebody, and you're like, I'm coming, but i got to find my phone. <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly, incredibly frustrating, isn't it? But imagine going through an entire lifetime like that. An entire lifetime Of having something right in front of your face, but unable to see it. I mean, that'd be frustrating. That would be beyond frustrating to get to the end of life and look back and not realize—or realize at the end what you had in front of your face. I want us to unpack a story this morning out of Scripture, and and it's not—it's not because I thought I was going to preach a sermon on this story. I just think this is where God has had me for a number of months. And just just sitting with this story and, and whispering to me, whispering to my heart through this story. And, and again, it was never going to be a sermon, but when I heard we were going through numbers, those chapter numbers, those verse numbers that we, that we need to know and we need to keep in mind, I just thought, my goodness, the numbers, the numbers that this story points to, well, it has incredible implications for us. And so this week you get part one of this story, next week you get part two, But this morning and next Sunday morning, I I just want to speak from my heart about what God has been speaking to my heart. Because I believe the implications for me personally, for all of us as a church, and for the world we step into every single day are, are tremendous. So, if you've got your Bibles, we are in Luke chapter 24. If you don't have your Bible, that's all right. It'll be up on the screen. But here's what's going on when you get to Luke chapter 24. Okay, Jesus has just been crucified. He's been put on a cross, he dies on the cross, and they've taken his body down, and they've put his body in a tomb. Now, a few few ladies that Jesus had known, there's Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Joanna, they go to the tomb because they want to see Jesus' body. And when they get to the tomb, they find that this stone that seals the tomb has been rolled away. And they walk inside, and there's no body. And they're met, they're greeted by this voice of this angel, these two angels who say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? See, so you go to a tomb because there's a dead body there, and you expect to see a dead body. And the angel said, There's no dead body here. There's no dead body. The one whose body was here, he's alive, he's risen. Well, you can imagine what this did to the women. So they go back to the disciples. It says they go back to the 11. Judas, he's out of the picture. But they go back to the 11 and they share this news. And we're going we're to look at that verse in just a second here. But before we look at that, if you ever come across anybody who says the Bible is no longer relevant today, what happened in the Bible no longer happens today, I want you to point them to this verse. Look at this verse with me, all right? It'll be up on the screen. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. All right, ladies, can I ask you a question? Do you ever feel like you're talking to a man and he just doesn't believe a word you're saying? Even though you know it's true? All right, men, can I ask you a question? Do you ever feel like a woman is talking to you and it just sounds like nonsense? It's because the Bible is alive and well, ladies and gentlemen, all right? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about a conversation that recently happened at our house. Um, Kara, have you seen my wallet? Uh, yeah, Nathan, it's, it's down on the kitchen counter. To which I replied, oh, silly Kara, why do you speak such nonsense into my ears? It's not there. To which she replied, Nathan, why don't you go look at the kitchen counter again? And two minutes later, I returned with my wallet and an apology for my wife. So the Bible is alive and well. This is going on. But I don't bring up this verse to make light of this verse. It's because I want you to think about something for a minute. Who are the women talking to right now? Who are they talking to? The disciples. Yeah, the disciples. These are, these are guys who followed Jesus for three years. Where he went, they went. What he said to do, they did. They had seen him work. They'd seen him perform miracles. They'd, they had seen all that he could do. And yet the women come and tell them about something that, that Jesus did, and they don't believe it. Now, hold on to that thought. Hold, that, hold on to that thought, because we're going to jump down a couple verses. Verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each, with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Please don't miss this connection this morning. They they didn't believe the story about Jesus, and he walked along with them. They thought it was nonsense, and he walked along with them. They doubted. They didn't recognize him, and they walked along with him. Now, even if that's all you got out of this morning, would that be enough? Wouldn't that be enough? Isn't that comforting? Isn't that encouraging? See, we think that if I doubt what Jesus can do, he says, I'm done with you, because that's what we do to each other, right? But that's not what Jesus does He walks along with you And that's what you gotta know That's the first thing you've gotta know this morning Is that he's near Even when you're far Jesus is near Even when you're far He's near even when you're so far from believing That he's near to you He's close by Even when you think he is miles and miles And galaxies and galaxies away He's near even when you're far. Have you ever had something like that? Have you ever sensed that, that something was near even though you couldn't see it? The answer for every single person in this room would be yes, because at some point in the last six weeks, you've probably had somebody do this to you. They've held up their phone in your direction, and they've, they've gone, oh my goodness, there is a Pokemon right next to you. There's a Pokemon right there. In fact, I'm convinced maybe a third of this, this audience is here because... Because we have a Pokemon gym right down behind here in the Pokemon Go game. And it's, I'm not saying Jesus is a Pokemon. Please don't hear that this morning, all right? But, but you've, had somebody, you've had somebody look at you and say, there's something right by you, even though you can't see it. Jesus is near, even when you're far. So pay attention to this conversation. Pay attention to this interaction, because I believe Jesus uses this conversation... With the disciples. And he wants to use this conversation, this interaction in our lives to show us one, why we don't see him right in front of our face, but two, how we can begin to see him right in front of our face. So the conversation continues. Verse 17. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And look at their response they stood still, their faces downcast. Are you downcast this morning? I mean, right now, does life feel like you're walking down a dusty, dirty road and you don't see God? Maybe at one time you saw God in your life, but right now you don't see him? Then this is for you. And even if you're not there right now, when that time comes, if that time comes, you've got to know this is for you. It goes on. One of them named Cleopas, this is verse 18. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And I love Jesus' response here. What things? Well, Jesus, you're the one this happened to. I love that Jesus can just play like he doesn't know what's going on here. What things? And he finds out what they think about him as they answer. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, pay attention to this sentence, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Let me ask you something. What what did the disciples, the whole time they were with Jesus, when they heard he was a king, when he would say these things, what did they hope Jesus redeeming Israel would look like? Do you remember? Do you remember? Well, they were thinking a revolution. They were thinking power. They were thinking he was going to come crush the iron fists of Rome. And he was going to show them who's boss. And they thought there was something in it for them. They thought, well, he's going to be king, and we're going to be his, his right-hand men, and we're going to have power, and people are going to respect us. And so they're thinking all this, and then what do they see? They see Jesus put to death. See, oftentimes the disciples weren't thinking about Jesus. A lot of times the disciples were thinking about themselves. And if you're anything like me, well, it's the same way for us, isn't it? A lot of times we're thinking about ourselves. And I think this highlights the first reason why we don't always see Jesus right in front of our face. Perhaps I don't see Jesus right in front of me because I want him to do what makes sense to me. But that's not how Jesus operates. His word even tells us, my ways are not your ways. My ways are not your ways. So when they see him put on a cross, they think, king of what? What is he the king of? Because that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How many of you have seen the movie Gladiator? In the movie Gladiator, the, the, the main villain, Commodus, He talks about a sea snake that has a very interesting way of overcoming its enemies. It lies on the bottom of the ocean floor, and what it does is it just lets its enemies pick at it. And they they swim up to it, and they just pick at its flesh, and they pull at it. And this thing looks like it's just getting ripped apart and it's gonna die. And then, when its enemies have let their guard down and they get a little bit closer, this sea snake rises up and takes out its enemies. And it doesn't make any sense. You you'd look at that in the animal kingdom and just go, who would operate like that? And so you have these disciples looking at Jesus going, who operates like this? Who lets their enemies put them to death before overcoming them? Well, that's what Jesus does. But it doesn't make any sense. Right. That might be why we don't see him right in front of us. Well, the conversation continues. The disciples, keep, they keep talking to him. And in verse 22, verse 21, sorry. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and ladies, you will love this part, and found it just as the women had said. And all the ladies in the audience said Wow, that was a little strong, ladies. (laughs) We're sorry. All right. (laughs) But look at Jesus' response to them. Listen to this response. It's not what you'd expect. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Let me ask you something. How would they know what the prophets had spoken? Where would they have found that? The scriptures, the scriptures. And Jesus tells them, here's what the scriptures say. Here's what the prophets said about me. Well, they don't know it's him yet, but this is, what they, this is what they said. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This is Jesus looking at his disciples and he's saying, come on, guys. Don't you read your Bible? Don't you pick it up and look at it? And please don't miss what Jesus is really saying because of what you think he's saying. Because you read this and you think, ooh, he's mad. He's rebuking them. He's judging them. He's condemning them. Listen, Jesus does not want to condemn them or us. He wants to remind us of something. He wants to remind them that I know you're downcast. I know you're looking at life right now and it doesn't make any sense. I know this is difficult. But let me remind you that this was part of the plan. This was part of the script. God has not moved one millimeter off his throne. He has not deviated one millimeter off of his plan. And if you'll open up the scriptures, you will get a reminder of that. Years ago, there was this show that I loved. It was absolutely terrible for my blood pressure. It was a show called 24. Anybody watch 24? I can hear it. Yeah, all right. Special Agent Jack Bauer. All right, every season, he was incredible, eight or nine seasons, Special Agent Jack Bauer, he would be notified of a threat to the country, and you had these 24 one-hour episodes that happen in real time where you see Jack Bauer going to work, And, and he's working on this threat. Okay, and, and it was incredible. The most incredible thing about the show is in eight seasons, never once did I hear Jack Bauer say, hang on, guys, i got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right, It's not what happens. Instead, I mean, maybe it happened on commercial breaks because they kept real time, even during the commercial breaks. But somehow I don't think that's what happened on commercial breaks. See, what happened right before a commercial break is Jack Bauer had just jumped off a building, like grabbed onto a helicopter, he's hanging by a pinky from the ledge of it, for some reason, there was a tiger on the helicopter, and it's trying to swat at him. And four guys on the ground are firing missile launchers at him. And you know what they do right as the missiles are about to get to him, and the tiger's about to get him, and he's going to fall off the helicopter? They go to a commercial. And you're like... Near. And all through the commercial break, you, you can just feel your, your blood pressure. Is just, it's just staying elevated. And then you know what the network would do after a few commercials? They would do this really silly thing. They'd show a commercial for the next week's episode of 24. And guess who was in the commercial? Jack Bauer. And I would see this as, as Kara and I would watch this show, and I'd just go, he's going to be okay. He's going to make it. And then the show would come back, and here's the tiger and the missiles and the helicopter, and I would just lay back on the couch like, I'm not even scared. <laughs> Saw the commercial. I outsmarted you, Fox Network. But this sense of panic that was there before the commercial break was gone. Now, it might be fun to watch a movie or watch a TV show and not know what's coming next. But Jesus would say, if you want to walk through life like that, full of fear, full of panic, just freaking out, well, that's a foolish way to go through life because you've got a reminder right in front of you. This is part of God's plan. He's still on his throne. He's still working his plan. He still knows what he's doing. And so we see that perhaps, perhaps I don't see Jesus right in front of me because I haven't opened the scriptures right in front of me. Well, it continues. He's not done yet. Look at verse uh, 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they... Urged him strongly, stay with us. They urged him strongly, stay with us. They urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. Have we, have we urged Jesus strongly? Stay with us. Do we ask him that? Because you want to know what he does when you urge him strongly, stay with us? Next sentence. So he went in to stay with them. See, Jesus doesn't think you're up to some ulterior motive. When you say, Jesus, come into my life, stay with me, he comes in. And he stays with you. And you want to know what happens when Jesus stays with you? Look at verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. Gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. See, when Jesus comes in and stays with you, he gives to you, and he feeds you, and he nourishes you. That's what Jesus does when he comes in. And then when verse 30 happens, when Jesus nourishes you, verse 31 happens. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And the third reason why maybe we don't see Jesus right in front of our faces. Perhaps I don't see Jesus right in front of me because he hasn't gotten an invitation from me. Maybe I don't see him right in front of me because I haven't said, Hey, come on, come in and stay with me and nourish me and feed me. The uh, the house we live in. Uh, We moved in there five, six years ago, and when we first moved in with our neighbors, you know, you do this small talk thing with your neighbors, where when you see them, you say, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? And it can turn into years of just that same conversation. Well, we moved in, and our next door neighbors, we've got some incredible neighbors, Um, but next door to us, there's a family with four daughters, and we had, over those first couple weeks that we had moved in, we saw them out in the yard um, doing yard work. And so we did the, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? And finally, one day, I just thought, okay, this hey, how's it going conversation is not working for me. Like, I like to to talk to people and know their names and get to know about them. And so their oldest daughter was out there, and Kara and I were out working in the yard, and we struck up a conversation with her. We said, hey, how's it going? You know, what's your name? She said, my name's Adeline. And we said, oh, okay. Well, so what do you do? She's like, well, I I work in the Springs. Oh, okay, well... What do you do in the springs? Uh, I'm, I work at the U.S. Olympic Training Center. It's like, oh, well, that's a cool place to work. Like, what do you do there? She's like, I wrestle there. I'm, I'm on the U.S. women's wrestling team. And Kara is like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Nathan used to wrestle. You guys should wrestle right here. I was like, yeah, we're not getting to know any more neighbors. No more neighbors, all right? Regardless to say, we did not have a wrestling match. I ran inside, okay? But I just went, man, the things you find out when you invite people into your life. Adeline, do you know where she is right now? She's in Rio. She'll be wrestling this week for the U.S., Olympic women's wrestling team. She starts on Thursday. Watch for her. I don't know if it'll be televised, but Adeline Gray, watch for her. But isn't it interesting what happens when when we invite each other into our lives? See, that's what happens with Jesus. You invite him into your life, and you discover, you have your eyes opened to who he really is. Perhaps I don't see Jesus right in front of me because he hasn't gotten an invitation from me. Now, you pull back from this story, and you just go, wow, what, I mean, what an experience. What an incredible encounter for these disciples. And if I'm honest, I have multiple moments where I go, I want that experience. I want that experience. I want that experience. How do I do that? Well, what's, what's really interesting to me are the numbers that this story points out for me, that I think God has just written on my heart. These last few months, as I've thought about this, it's interesting to me that there's a man named James. James, yes, it's James 4 8. And, and Greg Cooper, congrats. Greg Cooper got it this week, you guys. Um, I almost changed this to Philippians 4.8, because about 500 of you said, Is it Philippians 4 8? No, I was James 4 8. But James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote a letter that is part of the New Testament, the book of James. And it's interesting to me because James grew up with Jesus right in front of his face. He, he may have lived in the same house as Jesus growing up, had him right in front of his face, and yet he didn't acknowledge who Jesus was until after the resurrection. But listen to what James 4.8 says. It'll be up on the screen. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James isn't saying that God is in some far-off place and when you show up and hit the button and say, I'm ready, that he comes running and you got to wait a little bit. I think James is saying that when you draw near to God, you will discover just how near he is. And he will open your eyes to his very presence right in front of your face. And so that whisper, that whisper that I told you I've just been Hearing on my heart, it comes out of this verse, in this story, spending time with it. And it's a whisper that I know I've needed. And it's a whisper that I think this church needs. If we're going to step into the world that he has us in and the community he's placed us in, you got to remember this whisper. It's simply this Draw near. I'm right here. Draw near. I'm right here. Draw near. I'm right here. I'm right in front of your face. Now, what would that look like? What would that look like for you? Think about it. What would it look like to draw near? Many of you have heard of, especially if you're into soccer, the name Cristiano Ronaldo. He's one of the greatest soccer players in the world, and he's also one of the most recognizable faces in the world. Everywhere he goes, people see him, and they flock to him. And so I want you to see what happened one day when Ronaldo, one of the most recognizable faces in the world, what happened when he went out in disguise. Take a look at this. Para, un toque, un toque. Toma, un dos. Un, dos. Oh. Señor, señor, un dos. Más o menos. ¿Te ¿Quieres dar el número de teléfono? No. <ríe> un caño. ¡Uey! ¡Uey! ¡Uy! ¡Uy! Ah, ¡Un cansancio, eh! Ya acá, un gol! ¡Wow! Oh, Trouvés, de tá cabeça. De ah, cabeça! cabeça. Yeah. Mostra o que sabes fazer, dribles. assim. Uh. Toma, eh, hey. ah, a bien, muy bien, digo, un minuto, ¿cómo te llamas? Nicolás. <risa> para ti how many people looked at him and walked on by him and yet one boy one little boy drew near to him and experienced him now think of this your savior your heavenly father you know what he's saying he's saying draw near i'm right here i'm right in front of your face i know it doesn't make sense to you but draw near Maybe you need to open the scriptures so I can remind you, but I'm right here. Maybe you just need to invite me in. And look, that was, that was a boy's experience of a soccer player. Look at the disciples' experience of their Savior. In verse 32, he, they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And verse 32 says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Is your heart burning right now? Is your heart burning this morning? That's Jesus. That's your savior. And he's knocking at the door of your heart. And I will tell you from my own personal experience, answer that knock. Answer that knock. It may not make sense. But as we've opened the scriptures, if your heart's been burning, then invite him in. Invite him in and urge him strongly. Stay with us and watch what he does. Watch him nourish you. So I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it's a new perspective on something that doesn't make sense. Maybe it's time to open this up because it's been gathering too much dust on the shelf. There's a man named Howard Hendricks who says, dusty Bibles, well, they make dirty lives. I'd add that they make discouraged lives. If you open this up, you'll get a reminder that God is still doing what he promised he would do. And maybe for you this morning, for the first time, just need to invite him in. As we, as we worship, there are gonna be Stephen's ministers around the back of the sanctuary. They've got a blue badge. If you wanna pray, if you wanna say for the first time, Lord Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. My heart is burning, and I know that's you. Then they will be back there to pray with you. But let's worship, and then we'll close.